Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Kicking with Keeler here on the Full Press Radio Network. Happy to be back with you once again. I'm your host, Ricky Keeler, for episode number 38 of Kicking with Keeler. I know it's been a long time since we've been here, but I'm happy to be back with you once again this week. We've got so much to talk about in the world of sports over the next hour. Hope you're all staying safe. Hope you're all wearing a mask and trying to do the best we can to beat COVID-19. I know here in New York City, the, the rate of infection has gone down a good, a really good amount. So at least that there's progress there. And again, we have so much sports to get into. It's been real exciting to watch the NBA playoffs, the Stanley Cup playoffs, in the NHL. We our last episode we were here was about the PGA Championship, and right out of the gate, just congratulations to Colin Morikawa from two weeks ago winning the PGA Championship. Uh, shout out to my guest Garrett Johnson from Beyond the Clubhouse, this is podcast, and he brought up while he was at Harding Park. That Kyle Morikawa on his Twitter video said Kyle Morikawa was going to have the best, was the guy to watch for because he is the, one of the better final round scores on the PGA Tour. I think he said it on on my show, on this show too. Was the fantastic chip in on 14, the driving it on the par 4, 16th on the green, making eagle was really cool contested tournament. I was really happy with it. I thought the, the entertainment was great. It, it stunk there were no fans there. But I gave you everything I asked for for a major Sunday, even without Tiger Woods, without Rory, without Phil, with a struggling Brooks Kepka, which, by the way, I believe, even though you hope he's not healthy, he's withdrawn from the FedEx Cup playoffs, supposed to be back for the U.S. Open. The comments he made Saturday night for the third round, and kind of think the golf gods got to him a little bit. But it was still a very entertaining tournament. Like I said, the FedEx Cup playoffs start this week in uh, TPC Boston. Tiger Woods is playing this week. It sounds like Tiger is going to play all three playoff events. So uh, if you're a Tiger Woods fan like myself, you get to see him all three times. But we have a really good show for you over the next hour. We're going to start off, of course, with college football. I haven't been here since the Big Ten and Pac-12 decided to postpone their seasons until the spring. I know the other conferences have released their schedules, the ACC, the SEC, and the Big 12. I'm going to wait until we get closer to break those schedules down, and we'll try to get some great guests on to talk some college football, but try to work on that for all of you. Just because I, I'm going to give you my take on college football coming up, but I'm trying to get a person on the show that I think... I I, look, I like college football, but I try to get insiders on to help give all of you the information, but I'm going to do the best I can to give my take on that. I understand if you disagree or agree or disagree with me. Believe me, I get it. I'm willing to hear both sides on the issue, uh, but we'll go we'll go through it, and uh, I'll give you my thoughts on that in a second. 
We'll talk about the NBA and NHL playoffs. Really big surprise in basketball. The Blazers beat the Lakers in Game 1. Of course, you're going to be listening to the show before Game 2 on Thursday night on ESPN. Dallas is tied with the Clippers 1-1. And it just goes to show you, and we'll talk about it later, that the NBA playoffs and Stanley Cup playoffs are, are unpredictable because there's no home court or home ice advantage. So we'll get into that. We'll talk a little NFL as well. And we saw Bill Belichick said we'll do anything to win. We'll be splitting up the quarterbacks with Cam Newton and Jared Stedham. We'll get into that. And, of course, um, I thought with football in terms of fans in the stands, we'll get into that as well. And what the NFL might be trying to do to kind of help teams that don't have fans. We'll get, But I'll get my thought. If you've listened to my thoughts on baseball, you'll understand uh, what I feel about football. We'll get get into baseball. We'll talk about a possible postseason bubble, and I want to get into the comments, or I mean the outrage controversy with Fernando Tatis Jr. swinging a three zero pitch. I think it's stupid what the Rangers thought. I'm going to get into that, and I'm going to get why baseball really needs to be on the side of Fernando Tatis Jr., who's arguably a rising star. I'll give you my thoughts on what's gone on in baseball. Really, got a lot of contenders with the trade deadline coming up in less than two weeks. I don't really know if you're going to see any blockbuster moves. I'm going to give you my thoughts, of course, on Clevenger, on uh, Zach Plezak and Mike Clevenger with the Indians. And we'll just give it go a little bit around the league, talk about some big series. Rays and Yankees playing a big series this week. You follow my work over at Pinchstripe Pros, hosting that podcast. Rays are giving it to the Yankees big time. And I'll end on a couple other sports notes. Uh, talk about us, more news around the U.S. Open. Remember, that's in a couple weeks uh, in the bubble in New York. Western's. Uh, the Cincinnati the tournament's normally played in Cincinnati. It's going to be next week in the bubble as well. So that's really where that's going to get started. You can follow me on Twitter, at Rickinator555. That's at R-E-C-K, letter I, Nader like in Terminator, and three fives. Follow us on Twitter, at Full Press, at Full Press Radio, at FP underscore coverage. We got sites for NBA, MLB, NFL, NHL, MMA, wrestling. We, we got podcasts. I think we've got a betting podcast, too. We've got a fantasy sports podcast for all you people in fantasy leagues. I'm in a couple, and I know people listen to the show, and I'm hoping to beat them this year. Uh, so I'm hoping to get some in- advice from that show, Full Press Fantasy. It's a great show. I know they're doing team-by-team previews as well. Be sure to subscribe to Kicking with Kira on iTunes. Please give me a rating. I hope it's five stars. I want to hear from you. Please send your feedback, what you like, what you don't like, what you want to hear on the show. I'm happy to hear from you. You can email me, rickjkeeler at gmail.com. And be sure, anywhere you get your podcast, chances are Kicking with Keel is there. Be sure to subscribe. You can also download the Full Press Coverage app on your iOS or Android device. And you can take Kicking with Keel or any of our podcasts or our written work on the go. So it's really easy. Just download the Full Press Coverage app. And I'll give you my, uh, I'll give you the lowdown on what our live radio schedule is as well. So remember, we're not, you know, not just podcasts. We have live radio shows as well during the day. So I'll give you that rundown a little bit later on. So let's talk about college football. Since I last talked to all of you, of course, the Big Twelve, the Big Ten, excuse me, and the Pac-12 decided to postpone their seasons to potentially the spring. It's not a given they'll play in the spring. They've been trying to work. They're trying to work on different things. If you read Jeff Brom, the Purdue head coach, is playing the athletic. I actually liked it. At least it was a coach that had an idea and had a plan. We knew that right out of the beginning, Nebraska was opposed to it. Eventually, they stopped with the whole trying to rebel against the Big Ten thing. Ohio State, you understand why they're why their coach Ryan Day and James Franklin at Penn State and Jim Harbaugh at Michigan might not like it. And it's not. I said this back in March with the pro league, and I'll say this for college sports as well. I don't envy anybody that has to make this decision. 
it's not an easy decision to make by any means what to do with sports. And at least the Pac-12 was very transparent about why they were postponing. There are health risks involved. We've seen uh, many different players have to deal with the heart condition that comes from COVID-19, and that's not an easy thing to think about. It's scary, in all honesty, in all honesty really, when you think about that. And if there's one mistake the Big Ten made in all of this, is that they haven't been transparent publicly. You have some cases where it was said that the per, there was a vote by the presidents of the big t- of the of the different schools, and then there are some reports that there are there wasn't a vote by the president. Uh, the Big Ten commissioner Kevin Warren uh, released a letter to the co- uh, conference community on Wednesday, uh, and a lot he addressed a lot of things publicly. They've been looking to hear, and here's what he said in that letter: We understand the disappointment and questions surrounding the timing of our decision to postpone fall sports especially in light of releasing a football schedule only six days prior to the decision. So that, I know a lot of parents of the players were not a fan of that move at all. From the beginning, we consistently communicated our commitment to cautiously proceed one day at a time with the health, safety, and wellness of our student-athletes at the center of our decision-making progress. That is why we took simultaneous paths in releasing the football schedule while also diligently monitoring the spread of the virus, testing, and medical concerns as student-athletes are transitioning to full content contact practice. Now, Warren did talk to Heather Ditch from ESPN, said there was a vote, but it was understanding the Big Ten never talked about the voting process or the results. And a lot of people have also been critical of Kevin Warren's son, Powers, who plays at Mississippi State, who is playing on right now playing football. The SEC released their schedule this week. But uh, Kevin Warren also talked about that their families had many discussions that have been difficult. And you understand that. It's not easy for a parent. I mean, you, you watch Get Up on Wednesday. You heard what Jeff Saturday said about his son playing at North Carolina, which, by the way, North Carolina suspended uh, their athletic activities until late Thursday after the outbreak that's gone on in that campus, which has made them go to virtual learning. Notre Dame has gone to virtual learning. Michigan State has gone to virtual learning. And you look around the landscape of college football. Let me give you some of the ideas the SEC had. They released their fan health safety guidelines as well. Alabama, 20% seating capacity. Auburn, 20% seating capacity. Arkansas, about 16,000, 17,000 fans. This is from CBS Sports. This is the latest update to that. Georgia, 20 to 25%. You have LSU. No, nothing on LSU yet. Missouri, no more than 25%. But think about this. Tennessee, likely 25%. But think about that. That's 25%. Texas A&M, 30%. Tennessee is 25% out of 102,000. I get it. You want the revenue. Believe me, I get that. But I talk about, look at the NFL, for example. And I'll get to that NFL. It's going to do the Chiefs. Right, have 22% of fans. The Bears aren't going to have any. The Seahawks aren't going to have any. Patriots aren't going to have any through the end of September. The Titans aren't going to have any for the home game. Dallas might have fans. It is not right. And the NFL's got to make a decision. Everybody gets fans. Nobody gets fans. Because you want you don't want to have a case where the teams that are allowed to have fans, and I think that's why I'm, I'm was very pleased with baseball, that they're saying, look, nobody's getting fans right now. Why can't you just start the year with nobody, and then we'll revisit it later on? 
I, I get you can plan it. But let's wait a little bit. And you know, the, the SEC, of course, is going to start at the end of September. But why do we have to go right into getting fans in the door? The point of this see point of this year, this weird 2020, is just finish these seasons. In all honesty. And I look around the situation involving North Carolina. And I get that athletes are on campus when students are normally not on campus. Because of like winter break and things like that. I've read that today and I understand it. But to me, it's still a bad optic if all the students have to leave campus, but the athletes don't, particularly the football athletes. Remember, the NCAA has postponed all fall championships except college football because they don't have that power. So you have an institution that runs collegiate athletics but has no power over college football. At least the Power Five conferences and the American and the Conference USA and the conferences still planning to play. Think about that for a second. It just goes to show you, and again, these college football players aren't, when you think about it, aren't really student athletes. Because I've seen people talk about it over the last couple of weeks when you read Trevor Lawrence's tweets, and a good job by Justin Fields of trying to. Uh, the petition that he started trying to get the Big Ten to reverse the decision. Believe me, that's a that's a bold move by Justin Fields, and I totally respect it, and I understand it. And I feel bad for a lot of these players, and hopefully their eligibility gets extended in next year if they want to play next year. And for this, there are a lot of players right now opting to just go to the NFL draft. But Trevor Lawrence, I know, had a tweet a couple weeks ago saying, well, football, what would we do without football? Well, you go to class. You're a student-athlete. And with the word student-athlete, you're student-first. You get the education. And then you figure out from there. I get a lot of players who go to these schools to play football. Want to get into the NFL. Believe me. I understand that. And I understand it's partially it's tough to expect a lot of 18 to 22 year olds to follow the rules but you think about it like i watch these scenes and i'm not i'm trying to keep it in sports realm here but i watch these scenes of people partying and basically not respecting the virus and it makes me angry because those are the people that are going to prevent uh, prevent us as a society from moving forward because they make decisions like that you could party any other time when this thing is over it's not over. And I would feel like you need, and I just feel like when people say they need football to make right decisions, I don't know. I, I can't fully get behind that. It's a tough thing, I guess, for me to grasp. Maybe I'm just thinking about it the wrong way. I understand why these big conferences want to play college football. And hopefully. Even though they're getting the cash, hopefully they're going to follow the the health and safety protocols and we can avoid big-time breakouts and things like that. Like I like the idea of conference-only schedules. I think that makes sense. I would have loved if all the conferences were involved, as I've talked about on the show, if they did an 18 playoff and just went from there. Now I think you got it. To me, I do a 16 playoff this year, and I do two teams from each conference. The conference champion and then one other team. 
I don't know if you can have a four-team playoff with three conferences. I'd rather do six, play an extra game. Top two teams get a bye, things like that. Add an extra round, pretty much. I think you could make that work. If you if it were up to me, I wouldn't play college football this year. But it's not up to me, and you have to at least understand that a lot that different doctors with different conferences, and these doctors are, are credible doctors. They're, these conferences aren't just hiring random doctors here. But you look at it where you got most of the Northeast, with the exception of the ACC schools, are not playing college football, and a lot of the South is playing college football. And schools in the Big Twelve, of course. It, that's a that's th- that's something that's hard to ignore, but you understand how big college football is from a regional perspective. It's very important. I went to St. John's. I didn't go to a big college football school, but I understand how important college football is to many people, and how sad it would be if for these small towns that rely on college football and college basketball, and you hope college basketball happens this year and you get an NCAA tournament because we didn't get a chance to watch one this year. But you understand the economic impact they can have on those small towns. I think that's very important to think about. But I I was listening to Marcus Spears on Get Up and on, on Mike Greenberg's new show, Greeny, on ESPN Radio. And you have to I think you have to look college football players as semi pros. Because if they're the ones being still on campus and everybody else is not they're obviously treated differently than other students. Maybe it's just finally putting it to light how people view college football, moving to light the concept of amateurism and why I've always felt, again, you should, name image likeness should be for all the, the big time, the college football and college basketball players. If you can get money off a t-shirt or a jersey or an autograph, go right ahead because the school makes a lot of money off you anyway. School is going to put you on the field, and, and I understand every plenty player who feels uncomfortable to play. Uh, so that'd be something that I'm going to be monitoring. Hopefully everybody stays healthy. Hopefully we have a college football season. I'm still pessimistic on it, but I also understand the people that are optimistic on it. It's tough to we have a different debate on this, but as I said at the top, I respect everybody's opinion on it. I tend to view myself... I guess more on the option of not playing as opposed to playing, but I get people that want to play. Let me get into the NFL real quick, and then I'll take a, a quick break, and then we'll do a little NBA and NHL. Uh, first, I want to talk, and again, as I mentioned, the Adam Schefter tweet uh, from earlier on Wednesday. I'm going to pull that up, what the NFL is looking to do this year. Uh, Schefter tweeted, the NFL is now considering a league-wide policy that enable fans to be heard in stadiums. I think that's a cool idea. I mean, we've seen the NBA do virtual fans. And it's so cool to see, like, I can watch a game from my living room and be in the bubble. I've been trying to do that with a Nets game, even though the Nets aren't any good. I'm trying to figure it out. So if any of you have any information on that where I can watch the Nets game from my house and be in the, stand, and be in the stands with, like, my hologram of myself, that'd be pretty cool. But I like what the NFL is trying to do. I just disagree. Like, I don't think some teams should have fans and others don't. And I feel that's the way for, like I said that for baseball, I'm going to stay true with football. The other thing to keep an eye on, at least from an on-field product, obviously everybody's going to keep their eye on the Patriots. And not just because I'm a Patriots fan. I'm excited for football to start. And hopefully, again, the NFL has had good results so far. 
Not no major outbreaks yet. We'll see how that goes. But the situation in practice, like you've seen Jared Sim from all reports is doing well in practice. And as I said, when the Patriots signed Cam Newton, Jared Sim's going to be ahead of Cam Newton when it comes to September because Stidham has more knowledge of the offense, regardless of who you think has more talent. And I think Cam would have more talent because Cam's played more. But Stidham knows the offense. If, if Bill Belichick believes Jared Stidham knows more of the offense and can run it enough to beat the Dolphins on September 13th, he's going to go with Jared Stidham. Now, will he have a package of plays for Cam Newton if that's the case? Possibly. It, made, it adds another wrinkle for Brian Flores and the Dolphins to prepare for. But I again, I, I never thought just because Cam got the sign with the Patriots that he was a definite starting quarterback. To me, when you when you sign with the Patriots, you're not guaranteed anything. You're not guaranteed anything until Bill Belichick sees you on the field. And I think when you watch the Patriots, do I think J.R. Sims the franchise quarterback of the future? I don't know. Do I think he's got talent? Yeah, I do. I don't think he's some guy that's just going to go out there and, and play horrible. I do think he's going to perform if he gets the opportunity. Franchise player, again, I don't know, but I think he'll, he'll play well. But that's going to be interesting if Bill Belichick does go to two quarterbacks at some point. Could it work? I mean, it's worked in college for some teams, but it's usually the old saying goes, when you got two quarterbacks, you got none. But I'm very intrigued by that with the Patriots because you look at their schedule the first four weeks. Again, they go to Seattle September 20th with no fans. So it kind of takes away the home field advantage. But they go play in the Chiefs who have fans. You also have the report that the NFL, um, uh, New Orleans Saints coach Sean Payton suggested a postseason bubble, which I think makes sense. Now, the players would have to support it, of course. But I think you look at what baseball is doing, and we'll talk about it a little bit later as well with Jeff Passan reporting that baseball is strongly looking into a postseason belt. You want to ensure that you finish your year like the NBA is doing, like the NHL is doing, you get a bubble for the playoffs. That's the only way you can guarantee a champion. Because if you do the testing constantly and you, and you find that, mo that everybody's testing negative and things like that, then you go to the bubble. Just so you ensure you get those playoffs finished. So for football, that makes sense. And you got, was it seven teams in each conference this year? You can have an AFC bubble and an NFC bubble and then play the Super Bowl. Or if you want to put all 14 teams together, I don't think you can do that. We'll have to see how football would work that. I know baseball, Jeff Passan has talked about San Diego and, and Texas. We've seen New York as possibilities, LA, Philly. I think I do San Diego and Texas because warm weather areas, but football you could play in cold weather in January. You don't have to worry about you know you could play in a dome if you want, but I would think you'd want to keep it outdoors, preferably. But at least Sean Payton and the NFL are exploring that concept, and I think that's a really good thing for them. But NFL football is coming up in about three weeks, I believe. So we'll hopefully do a big football preview in a couple of weeks. Of course, get ready for the fantasy season with uh, full press fantasy. I know FPC NFL Live is a good show. You can check out during the week as well. So we'll take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll give a little of my thoughts on the NBA and NHL playoffs. A lot of entertainment, a lot of surprises, a lot of great storylines. We'll talk about all those things and what has stood out so far. Didn't get a chance to give my picks. 
But I'll give you a pick also that I thought about making, then it, something happened, and now I realize I should have kept the pick. We'll be right back. You're listening to Kicking with Keeler here on Full Press Radio. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back once again to Kicking with Keeler. Just want to give you the rundown of our live radio show lineup that happens every weekday. Uh, 8.30 a.m. FPC Radio Live with Ian Glendon and Mike DeBate. We have Snowman in the Morning on at 10 a.m. That's a great show. These are all Eastern times. At noon, it's College Credit Hour with Memphis Spence. At 2 p.m., it's The Hot Corner with my friend Shukri Wright. who does a really good job. And at 5 p.m., it's uh, Dylan and Ross Save Sports with Dylan Sanders and Ross Jackson. So in addition to our podcast, we have a great live radio lineup that you can check out every weekday. There's great shows. Uh, I know Dylan and Ross were talking about Hard Knocks. That's been on. I, I get why people are down on Hard Knocks LA. It's pretty cool to see how like up close what the NFL is doing with trying to uh, prevent COVID-19. You're seeing, like I watched the recent episode with the, risk, with the uh, technology they're using. With when you when you get too close to the thing that beeps on your wrist, it's a cool thing to at least look at, and it gives you the the idea of the reality of what we're facing as a as a country, quite frankly. Uh, so that's been I think I understand why it's down because you're not getting preseason football, and that's another thing with the Patriots and what kind of help, doesn't help Cam Newton. There's no preseason football for him to get any live reps. At least Jared Stidham's had a preseason last year to go through. So something else to keep in mind about that. Let me give you my thoughts on the NBA and the NHL. And one of the things I mentioned at the top of the show again, with with a bubble and no home court advantage or true home court advantage, you get crazy results sometimes. And I enjoyed the seeding games. Last Thursday, I was really locked into that Blazers-Nets game. And I love the effort the Nets gave. And, and give credit to Portland. Damian Lord, the MVP of the bubble, and I'll get into him in a little bit. But I really felt bad for the Phoenix Suns, who went 8-0. I thought when the Suns had won that last regular season game and the Grizzlies ended up beating the Giannis-less Bucks, Giannis got suspended for that headbutt, which, by the way, I thought the NBA screwed that up. I thought Giannis should have been suspended one playoff game in addition to that last regular season game because, let's be honest, 
Giannis wasn't playing much in that last game to begin with. The NBA basically just said to the Bucks, we'll make the decision for you. He's not playing. There should have been more of a punishment to headbutting another player. But because it's Giannis, I don't think he would he would have got suspended for a playoff game. I think if he's a regular player, he gets a playoff game tacked on. Just my take. I I, I understand why the NBA didn't do it, but I I think I would have did it. But the Bucks lost game one with Giannis anyway, which is even a bit of a surprise. But I was really felt bad for the Suns. I tweeted last Thursday. I was like, maybe the basketball gods will shine on the Phoenix Suns and something good will happen. And it took every last second. If Karis LeVert hits that shot for the Nets, the Suns are going to the playing game against the Grizzlies. So close, but you know the Suns have a bright future. The thing is, in the Western Conference, though, every team practically has a bright future, and that's what makes it interesting. Golden State's going to be a lot better next year, so you got to add them into the mix with everybody else that's into the playoffs this year. you got Zion and the Pelicans, which Alvin Gentry got fired, and I think that was the right move that they made. Even though a lot of what Gentry could do with Zion was outside of his control, David Griffin's going to try to find the next coach for the future, and we'll see what decision they make there. I know the Bulls fired their head coach, uh, Jim Boylan. So they got to make a decision on their head coach. Bulls have changed everything up over there. But the West is going to be a lot better. So the Phoenix Suns going to have to keep moving forward. But that's still progress for Monty Williams and his crew to go 8-0 in the bubble. So far, my reaction to these playoffs, and I think you got to start with that game between the Blazers and Lakers. I mean, this is a fun series. I understand people who are picking the Blazers. I picked the Lakers to win this series in six. I'm going to stand by that because for the, the sole purpose of I don't see LeBron James losing in the first round. He's ne- has never happened to him in his career. I can't see the Lakers who have been this good, and I get that they kind of didn't play their best basketball in the seeding games, but outside of that first Clipper game, it didn't really count for them. The Blazers have been constantly playing playoff games. But it does hurt the Lakers when you look at this, what happened in game one. You had uh, Nurkic, even though he had the double-double, battling a little bit of foul trouble. Melo was battling foul trouble. Hassan Whiteside had five fouls. You had the Blazers as a team shoot just 39% from the floor. 38% from three. They had to play Wenyan Gabriel for 15 minutes in this game. LeBron James arguably has a one of his better games in the playoffs. 25 points, 23 points, 17 boards, 16 assists. And you lose the game. A lot of things went wrong for the Lakers. And it's something my brother and I talked about a couple weeks ago. The Lakers have to get scoring from outside of LeBron and Anthony Davis. And Anthony Davis, I understand, had a quiet second half. But outside of an early surge in the fourth quarter, Kyle Kuzma didn't do anything in game one. He's got to play better than five for 14 shooting. Contavious Caldwell Pope, one point. Danny Green was just two of eight from three. The Lakers, the team, made five out of 32 from beyond the arc. Deion Waiters places one minute, doesn't get a point. Alex Caruso goes one for six. They need a lot better from their cast if they want to even have thought of winning this series. And they'll probably get it. But you have to respect Damian Lillard is just. He just makes shots from all over the court. It's so much fun to watch him play. CJ McCollum was playing with that back problem. He's still finally make plays. Gary Trent Jr. is hitting clutch shots. Carmelo Anthony is playing well, which I'm glad because he's proven all the doubters wrong that he can still play. And the Blazers, Nurkic is a tough matchup inside. He dominates for stretches in games. He's great on the glass. You saw it in that Nets game against Jared Allen. He dominated. 
And Portland, I think you got to like their confidence. Damian Lillard is confident. He holds grudges. Just look what happened with the Clippers and Paul George and Patrick Beverly. Guy holds grudges, plays with an edge. You love that. And that's why arguably he's the most popular player in the the NBA right now. I don't know if he's the best player. I've seen people like Stephen A. Smith say he's the best player, but I think he's the most popular player right now. I think everybody is watching the Blazers and rooting for Damian Lillard. I just don't think the Blazers can win this series. I think they have a shot. I think they'd have to win it before Game 7. If it gets to a Game 7, you got to like the Lakers' chances. I think the Lakers will be fine. I wouldn't panic. I think they win Game 2. If you listen to the show, it'll be tonight where you watch the game 9 o'clock on ESPN. I think it'll be a really exciting game. I think you'll get close games in the series, and it's a good opponent for the Lakers, and I'll tell you why. If Portland's a good opponent for them because it's going to allow them to feel the pressure of being tested early on, and that helps you more than sweeping the Memphis Grizzlies or winning in five or, or playing Phoenix. Because get you right in the playoff mode, and you need that sometimes as a top seed. The other shock is the Bucks, Because, I mean, let's be honest, when you talk about the Bucks losing to the Magic in Game 1, I mean, we've all had the joke when we make picks for this series, and we say Magic in 3... I mean, Bucks in three, and the Magic role in this game without Aaron Gordon. I think that's important to monitor, too. Is Orlando won this basketball game behind a great performance from Nikola Vucevic, 35 points and 14 rebounds. But the Bucks, outside of getting a good game from Giannis, 31 and 17 rebounds, 7 assists. Chris Milton was 4 for 12 shooting. George Hill had a nice game, but Brooke Lopez is 5 points. The Bucks, the team, 43% shooting. They did make 14 threes, but they took 42 of them. Nothing really from Pat Conton in 22 minutes. Dante DiVincenzo goes one for six. They need a lot more out of him. The Bucks should be fine. They should win this series. But if, you had, if you're like me and I had Clippers-Bucks in my NBA Finals, you're nervous about the Bucks Because let's be honest, the Raptors, although they're playing the Brooklyn Nets right now, and the Nets, with Joe Harris leaving the bowl for personal reasons, I think Toronto's going to sweep the Nets. Raptors look good. Celtics just lost Gordon Hayward for a month with an ankle sprain. So you look at that Celtics-Raptors series potentially, and the Celtics are up 2-0 on Philly, and it looked very impressive in those games. You have to like Toronto over Boston, I would think, and I picked the Celtics. I'm a little bit worried about that pick with Hayward out. But Toronto looks in, in, in where for. Remember, the Raptors beat the Bucks last year without Kawhi, with Kawhi Leonard, and I think they could do it without Kawhi Leonard this time around. Also in the East, I had Indiana over Miami in seven. Victor Oladipo, you hope, comes back. He left game one early, that eye injury. The Heat pulled away in the fourth quarter. Got a good game from Jimmy Butler and Goran Dragic. I think it's still going to be a close seven-game series because these two teams don't like each other. You know Jimmy Butler and TJ Warren don't like each other at all. So I think that series, Indiana, remember, they got a really good team with Nate McMillan at head coach. I think the Pacers can still win the series, but I think it's really close. That's why it's the 4-5. Let me give you the pick before I talk about the Clippers that I had made. By the way, even with Russell Westbrook out for the Rockets, I like the Rockets over the Thunder. To me, that's just too easy. I love the story of the Thunder. Billy Donovan's my coach of year this year in the NBA, but the Rockets are just too good. James Harden's too good. Uh, the Rockets should win that series. I'm looking at this Jazz Nuggets series. Jazz Nuggets series. By the way, crops Donovan Mitchell, 57-9-7 in Game 1, and the Jazz still losing overtime. 
They come out in Game 2 on Wednesday, blow out the Nuggets, 124-105. Mitchell goes for 30. Jordan Clarkson goes for 26 points. Joe Ingles says 18. Rodrigo Bear is 19 points and 7 boards. Doesn't even have a double-digit rebound game. Jazz, a team, should almost 52%. Now, coming into this series, Mike Conley had to leave the bubble for the birth of his child, and I totally understand that. If Mike Conley... Right before that news came out, I had Utah winning this series. The reason being, I don't buy the Denver Nuggets. I think they're a regular season team. We saw last year in the playoffs, they played Game 7 against the Blazers, and they lost. At home. So this was more of a prove-it kind of postseason for the Nuggets. And while Jokic has played well, 28 points... In Game 2, 11 rebounds. Jamal Murray had a really good performance in Game 1. To end that ball game, Michael Porter, 28 points on 10 of 17 in Game 2. He could be that third scorer in a way. But you look at Denver, they couldn't defend. They haven't been able to defend in two games. And yes, defense has been down in the bubble. I get that. But the Jazz are a team with not a lot of depth. But Donovan Mitchell can take over games. Rudy Gobert has looked really good in the paint in these games. Jordan Clarkson has had an emergence as that sixth man. He still doesn't start, even though you would think he would play point guard with Mike Conley out. So if Utah can win game three on Friday, get up two games to one, and then get Mike Conley back, the Jazz will win this series. I had Denver because Conley was not going to play the first three games, and I was like, you know what? The Jazz don't have a lot of depth. That's something we talked about two weeks ago. But I think Utah can win this series. If there's one upset that comes from the playoffs, and I don't consider four or five upsets in the first round in the NBA, it's Utah over Denver. Quite frankly, I don't know if the Nuggets can make a deep run in the playoffs. I, I just don't see... I see them more as a regular season giant, not as a playoff contender. They have a lot to prove to me. They could even be up there with the Clippers and the Lakers and the Rockets as that uh, contender out west. Speaking of the Clippers, they got a good win late in game one. You can make the case, again, that Chris Stapps-Porzingis uh, being ejected for two technicals was a joke, and I get that. But I think Chris Stapps also has to understand that when you have one technical already, as bogus as it was, you can't make the mistake and get into the argument with Luka and, and the other player in the Clippers and get in a position to get that second technical. Like, I've had this argument with my brother, who you've heard in the show, about with Draymond Green. Draymond Green puts himself in a position to get those technical fouls. So it hurts them both ways as well. But give the Mavericks credit. They came out in Game 2 and were fantastic. Luka Doncic has scored 70 points in his first two games in his playoff career. He's been great. Clippers did not have Patrick Beverly in Game 2. That obviously hurt them. But look at Dallas's bench, or their role players in a way. Trey Burke with 16 points. Seth Curry, 15 points. Tim Hardaway Jr., who starts, but he had 17. Boban Marjanovic, 13 points. And was a force down low with 9 rebounds. Maxi Kleber had 10 boards. Dallas did a really good job with almost 50 rebounds as a team. And you look at the Clippers, they got they struggled right out of the gate. Dallas built a big lead, and Paul George was terrible. Couldn't buy a three-pointer. It was 2 for 10 from downtown at just 14 points. Kawhi Leonard had a great game, 35 and 10. But can Kawhi Leonard carry the Clippers? I mean, you need that supporting cast. We talk about the Lakers. I'm going to talk about the Clippers. And yes, Marcus Morris had a good game, 14 and 8. 
but obviously they missed Pat Beverly in this game. Lou Williams had a nice game of 23 points, but Montrezl Harrell had just 10 points, only took four shots. Landry Shamit, just two points. Jermichael Green, two points. Clippers are another team. They've got to work on that defense. Jack Rivers was talking about to Jared Greenberg during the game in the fourth quarter. They've got to defend. They can't worry about just Luka. They've got to defend the whole court. The Clippers should still win the series, but I mean, I thought Dallas would win at least a game or two in the series anyway. I had Clippers in six. I still stand by that, but Luka's making it really tough on the Clippers right now. So I think your three entertaining series right now you're looking at Dallas is are all out west. Dallas Clippers, Lakers Blazers, obviously, and I think Jazz Nuggets is going to be one of those series that can go six seven games because I don't trust Denver and Utah despite their lack of depth. It's very very good. Donovan Mitchell is playing at another level that we know he's capable of. We've seen it, and I was very impressed with what he did in Game One, even in a losing effort. So let's look at the NHL. I want to get into some Stanley Cup. I'm not the big hockey expert. We've talked about that. Uh, I made a pick that the Capitals would go to the Stanley Cup, and they haven't made me look good at all. The Islanders up three games to one in that series, though Alex Ovechkin did have two goals in Game 4. We'll see if that kind of sparks the Capitals, but I think the Islanders will win that series if they do. Props to Barry Trotz, uh, former Capitals coach who won the Stanley Cup with them for kind of getting revenge in a way. And the Islanders just do a lot. with. They have Matt Barzell. And Anders Lee, they don't have really that big superstar like they had with John Tavares, but they've been going really far without him. And that's a testament to the Islanders' front office. So far, teams have advanced. The Avalanche has rolled over the Coyotes in five. Avalanche has scored a ton of goals. So they've advanced. The Golden Knights beat the Blackhawks in five. Blackhawks upset Edmonton in round one. Lightning beat the Blue Jackets in five. One game five in overtime. One game one, if you remember, in that five overtime game. And I'll mention this about the NHL. People talk about how we had to shorten the overtimes because because of the five overtime game in game one. I love hockey overtime because just keep going and going and going and going. I understand if you want to change it for the bubble this year because you had to postpone that Carolina-Boston open, series opener day back and they had to play back-to-back. So if you want to do that for those purposes, yeah, I get that. Maybe you do five-on-five on the first OT, then four-on-four, then three-on-three until you, the goal is scored. But for regular years, you keep hockey over time the way it is. Because as a casual hockey fan, that's what draws you in. Is When I get an alert on my phone or my watch and I see there's a hockey game in overtime, I'm going to tune in to watch it. Because I want to see when that goal happens. Also give credit to the Bruins. And I know Tuka Rask had to leave the bubble due to a family emergency. Made a decision to opt out. Uh, Yaroslav Halak's been good in goal for them. The Bruins are getting timely scoring from David Krejci, from Patrice Bergeron. Uh, we've seen Pasternak a little bit. Brad Marchand's been good. That top line for the Bruins has done a really good job. They beat the Hurricanes in five. I know the Hurricanes didn't have Svechnikov for the last couple games, but Boston has dominated. Their power play was really good in game five, so the Bruins advance. They were the best team going into the sh- before the shutdown. Maybe they're starting to regain their form. Other series still going on. We mentioned the Caps Islanders. Uh, the Flyers Canadian series is in a game six. Montreal on Wednesday, one game five. Uh, by final score, five to three to advance. So don't count the Canadians out yet. And remember, the Flyers have a young uh, young uh, player in net. So that also, I think, has to come into account too. Remember, home ice doesn't really determine anything. Normally in a game six, you'd go back to Montreal. But 
was not a good game by the Flyers at all in Game 5. And remember, they were the number one seed going in. And Carter Hart, uh, 28 for 32 in saves, not a great game on his part uh, for the Flyers. And they were they did get three power play goals here, Philly. The other entertaining series that I've noticed, and I think Dallas-Calgary is another good one. That's going to game six on Friday. Dallas is up three games to two. I had Calgary in that series, but Dallas right now with the lead is Blues-Canucks. The defending Stanley Cup champions are down three games to two. The Canucks won a dramatic 4-3 game on Wednesday in Game 5, and the Blues right now without Vladimir Tarasenko have had to rely on guys like Ryan O'Reilly, Petrangelo. Uh, Jake Allen's played net the last couple games up to Bennington, had a rough first couple games. You look at Vancouver, that's a young team that's emerging. And I look at the, I'm a Ranger fan, I look at the Canucks like Rangers West in a way. that Their, their young core is coming together, like Quinn Hughes and, and Markstrom and Nett doing a really good job right now. So Vancouver's got to be feeling confident. And right now, you're a, the Blues are a game away from us having a repeat, no repeat Stanley Cup champ, and the champs in the last years both be out in round one. I think that's really the fun of the Stanley Cup playoffs. You never know what's going what's gonna to happen. And that creates drama. And that's what we all love to watch. So we could see a game seven in Canucks Blues. I wouldn't be surprised. Could see a game seven in Stars Flames. I think the Flyers will win the series in six over Montreal. But again, I, I I wouldn't go to me for hockey picks. I just do my best to try to talk about the NHL for all of you. Uh, I try to get hockey guests on as the Stanley Cup playoffs continue as we get closer to the Stanley Cup final. We'll recap more of the playoffs then. Uh, I've enjoyed watching a lot. Of these playoffs, they've been fun. Watch a lot of these Bruins Canadian games, the uh, Bruins Hurricanes games. Excuse me, they've been really good. And it's hard not to get in the Stanley Cup playoff hockey, even when your team's out. You just enjoy it. Uh, so keep an eye, at least locally, on the Islanders. See if they close it out on Thursday night at eight o'clock. By the way, NBA draft lottery is on Thursday, and of course, we kind of forget with the college basketball season ending five six months ago. Uh, but you got. Where will James Wiseman go? Where will LaMelo Ball go? I think is a real big storyline. Is Golden State get the number one pick and add maybe Anthony Edwards into the mix? So Cleveland, of course, is going to be more toward the top. Where do the Knicks fall into the equation, at least locally here in New York? What happens to them? We'll see how ESPN runs the draft lottery virtually. I think that's going to be interesting as well. So the draft lottery, I think, has to be on your forefront. We'll talk more about the draft lottery on our next episode. To see where that goes in the draft being in a couple months. We'll have more time to get into that as well. So we'll take one more break. We'll come back. We'll talk about what's going on in baseball. And I'll give you my take on the whole Fernando Tatis situation as well. You listen to Kicking with Keeler here on the Full Press Radio Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. 
Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back, everybody. Getting kicked with Kilo for our final segment of the week. I want to remind you, you can visit our friends over at Sportscaster.com. Uh, remember, we also have a page on sportscaster.com. Just go to sportscaster.com slash full press coverage. We got FPC Radio Live. FPC NFL Live is on there. Uh, we got a new hockey show on there. I believe it's called Off the Post. Uh, Michael Jello, who was on with us a couple weeks ago, talking about the Stanley Cup playoffs, he's one of the hosts on there. Uh, so if you want to get a, a great show that talks about the Stanley Cup playoffs, that's one you can listen to on sportscaster.com. But remember... You can make your own show. Make an account for free and broadcast to sports fans all over the world. Just go to sportscaster.com today. And remember, if you if you don't see something on our site that you, and you want to be a part of our team, just go to fullpresscoverage.com slash employment. We're always looking for more editors, writers, podcasters. If you think that we're, we're, there's something you want to cover that we don't have and you want to join our team, go to that spot, fullpresscoverage.com slash employment, and apply today. So looking around baseball, we have to start here. Um, what happened on Wednesday night with the Reds uh, broadcaster and legend Tom Brenneman uh, using a homophobic slur during the game. And then as he's apologized for using that slur, he still has the home run call. The Reds quickly got him out of the booth. You never want to hear those comments from anybody. Uh, and the Red and the... Fox Sports made the right. Fox Sports Ohio made the right decision. Get him out of the booth. Uh, right now, the Reds made his uh, statement on Wednesday night. As I'm recording this, he was been suspended for the time being. Uh, we'll see what happens. But I just had to get that out there up front uh, that you can't you can't condone what Brennan did at all, and or what he said. Even even for even if you hear his explanation, it's just something that in this it's not acceptable. Let's talk about Fernando Tatis. Now, you got to look what the Padres are doing. Uh, I saw that the tweet from uh, Stats by Stats. The Padres are the first nationally team to hit a Grand Slam in three straight games since the Cleveland Spiders did it from in June of 1895. Manny Machado hit a walk-off Grand Slam on Wednesday against the Rangers in 10 innings. And you got to love what San Diego's doing. We'll get into that in a little bit. Got to go back to Monday. I'm sure you all know by now, Padres got a 10-3 lead. They're rolling in this game. 3-0 count uh, to Fernando Tatis Jr., who, in my mind, is the NL MVP favorite right now. Swings the 3-0 pitch, hits a grand slam. Rangers aren't happy about it. Chris Woodward's not happy about it. Says after the game, basically, that Tatis is breaking the unwritten rule. And then the next batter... The Rangers pitcher throws at Manny Machado. Now the, the MLB, I thought, did the right thing, suspended the MLB pitcher for suspended the Rangers pitcher for three games and Chris Woodward for a game. The Rangers pitcher appeals. Tatis tries to steal. He steals third against them on Tuesday. And then he has more words for Tatis. First off, the Rangers are weak, and I'll tell you why. You got a problem with Tatis? You throw at Tatis. You don't throw at Machado. That's weak. You got a problem with the guy, you deal with that guy. What if that pitcher made a mistake and hurt Manny Machado? Think about that for a second. I don't think the Tees did anything wrong. Because let's look at it this way. We're in an era of baseball where home runs get hit like crazy. So a seven-run lead, while it seems insurmountable, is not. 
you have bullpens where in a seven-run game, you got te- teams using their low-leverage relievers. The other team mounts a comeback, and then all of a sudden, that you have you see the other team's closer in a two-three-run game, and then everything changes. So just because you're up a big amount of runs, it doesn't mean you're going to win the game necessarily. You have a great chance to do it, but it doesn't necessarily give you the game automatically. So I don't buy the idea that you're up seven, you shouldn't swing at anything. We were always taught, at least when I was playing Little League, you shouldn't swing at 3-0 just because the pitcher's wild. That's different. That's not an unwritten rule. If I swung 3-0, my manager might be mad at me, but it's not an unwritten... I never viewed it as an unwritten rule, if you will. Now, there is a debate if Jace Tingler, the Padres manager, gave Tatis the take sign, Tatis ignored it. Then you got more of a gripe with Tatis. You still, I think, side with the player, but you get why the manager's frustrated. Because I did not like that Tingler kind of blasted his player in the media. Cause I looked at it this way and I said this in the pinch Strike prospects podcast on Tuesday, which we do. We every week we cover the Yankees uh, inside and out. If that was Aaron Boone, I want Aaron Boone to stick up for his player. We see it every time you want the manager to stick up for your player, unless it's absolutely a way where you can't stick up for him. There was a way you could stick up for Tatis in that situation. And Jay Singley and said the next day, he wish he chose his words differently. Or what you do is you address it privately with the player, which I'm sure he did. But this is why baseball doesn't appeal to the younger generation. The younger generation wants these things to happen. They want to tease to hit home runs. And you look at this day and age of advanced analytics in baseball. If teams are looking at the data and they're seeing that you're going to throw a, a 3-0 pitch down the middle and they're going to groove one over the plate, the hair is going to swing. We've seen the report from the Padres beat right MV.com, AJ Casavelli. That they were the Padres were upset that the Rangers pitcher, the Rangers were throwing 1020 sliders in that situation. AJ Casavell, excuse me, that they were throwing sliders 1020, which is another unwritten rule in a way. So, in a sense, the Padres are pissed, the Rangers are pissed, and by the Rangers pitcher Ian Gibbalt, by the way, G I B A U T. And there, the tweet from Casabell, Juan Nicasio, down seven was throwing 1020 sliders, which apparently is something unwritten rules. Well, they seem fine with that as so long as the T's gets to take his 3 0 fastball hack. You want to take a swing 3 0, take a swing. You take the consequences if you don't get a hit in that situation, but you still should, I think, have your right to swing. I like what Johnny Bench said on Twitter. You got a 3 0 count. You take the next pitch is three and one. You take another pitch, it's three two count. All of a sudden, the pitcher's the count's back in his favor. I was watching the Yankee game on Tuesday, and you're seeing Diego Castillo throw Luke Voigt sliders. I think we're just getting to the point where we're going to see p- pitchers throw off speed pitches in three zero counts to throw off hitters. We've practically seen that at this point. So to me, Tatis did nothing wrong. To me, this is a guy baseball wants to promote. They need to promote because let's be honest, he's got a shot to be the face of baseball because San Diego right now looks like a playoff team. And they can call many different players in their farm system to make an impact in September. The Padres could be that team of the future out West. They've got Paddock in that rotation. You could see Mackenzie Gore eventually in September. A really good young pitching prospect. They've got Machado. Tatis, to me, is the MVP because he steals bases. He plays great defense. He hits for power, hits for average. He's he's a five-tool player in a sense. And the kid is 
I think like 21 years old. And we've seen so much talent, young talent in baseball. I know all the old school fans are upset. I get it. The younger player is taking over the game of baseball. We're changing the unwritten rules. There's a reason why those rules were never written down. Okay? At this point, the unwritten, that unwritten rule is garbage. Okay? There's no really insurmountable lead in baseball because, again, there's no clock. Right? Like, you're not looking at it like I'm up 25 and now I got to take my starters out. And I tell my stars don't, or I tell my bench players don't shoot a three pointer. Okay, that's a little bit different. Baseball, any team can come back in any inning. You, you, I get station to station when you get a base hit. That's a little bit different than hitting and taking and swinging 3 0. Like, come on. That was weak by Chris Woodward. It really was. It sounded like the Rangers were just mad they lost. And the Padres, like I said, are a lot of fun right now. You look at that NL West, and I've got the standings up here. You got a shot at four teams in the playoffs. You got the Rockies at 13 and 11, the Padres at 14 and 12, the D-backs at 13 and 12. Four teams within four and a half games of each other in the division. The Dodgers are rolling at 18 and 8, but there's a shot you could get four teams. Because remember, you, get, you take every first and second place team and then the two best records after that. Right now, San Diego and Arizona are the only other two West, other two teams in the NL with an over 500 record that are in that third to fourth place conversation. Milwaukee's 11 and 11, but they're in second place in the division. The Reds, 10 and 12, which they got back to playing. So at least Wednesday, we're, well, at least now, we've had all 30 teams back in action. Cardinals recently got back to playing as well. But I look around Major League Baseball awesome, but I love to seeing younger players, young prospects make their debuts. Especially during a 162-game season, we talk about service time, when you call up a player, and that conversation still exists in a shortened 60-game campaign. But on Wednesday, you saw Casey Mize make his debut for the Tigers, number one pick a couple years ago. Stuff's Electric had seven strikeouts in his debut. And Dane Dunning, who was part of that Lucas Giolito, Ronaldo Lopez, Adam Eaton trade a couple years ago, first-round pick by the Nats, make his debut in that same game, and Dunning had a pretty good performance as well. So we've seen Joe Adele, we've seen Nate Pearson, we've seen many different young prospects make their debuts this year, and it's only it's a great thing for the sport because just more young faces and teams get a chance to see some of their future as well. Kansas City knows how a lot of good of their a lot of good young top pitching prospects make debuts. I said Joe Adele for the Angels, even though the Angels pitching staff is not any good. It, Mike Chat's having a great year as a dad, but it doesn't sound like the Angels are going to go anywhere this year. We've seen young prospects make their impact. And we've seen even Luis Garcia, who this week became the first player born in the 2000s to a home run for the Nationals. Garcia is another good young talent. I covered the Nats district on deck a couple years ago. Garcia was a young kid in the farm system everybody was really excited about as a shortstop. So with Starling Castro out, you might see a little more Luis Garcia in there. So I like seeing the younger players get a chance to shine. And I think that's another good part about the 60-game season. The other good part is the bad teams of the past, like the Marlins, the Tigers, the Orioles, they're not horrible. Like the Orioles are 12-12. and 12. I know they've struggled lately. Lost four straight, but they're playing respectable. 
Tigers are nine and thirteen. They've lost now. They've lost eight straight. Maybe they've gone back to the pack. But before that, the Tigers were nine and five. Yes, it's only fourteen games, but at least Detroit was playing competitive baseball. The Marlins, with basically a new team, right now are nine and nine. They're gonna have a lot of double headers coming up, but they're a game and a half back. So I love the fact that you the right now on in mid August, late August. I can only count a couple teams that are guaranteed out of the playoffs. The Giants, the Pirates, the Mariners, the Angels, the Royals. I guess I'll go with Detroit, but I'm especially since they've lost eight straight and the Red Sox. I'm still putting Baltimore in there because they're twelve and twelve right now. They're still close for that final two wild card spots. Because right now you'd be looking at between Baltimore, Toronto, the White Sox, and the Rangers. And the Rangers are ten and thirteen. The Orioles are twelve and twelve. Blue Jays are ten and eleven. So it's still really close. I, I love like the Orioles, and we'll see what MLB decides with the twenty twenty one draft lottery, twenty twenty one draft order. If there is a lottery, would they go off the last two years? But at least those teams are competitive, and that's what's great about the sport. Now, one of the things I also want to look at. How bad the Red Sox are. They finally snapped the nine-game losing streak on Wednesday. You watch them play the Yankees this weekend. They're non-competitive. And I wonder what Bloom's going to do. Is he going to trade Xander Bogarts? Is he going to trade J.D. Martinez? That pitching is horrendous. They didn't make a good effort. Really, I know Chris Dale was hurt. And Eduardo Rodriguez is dealing with that heart condition that we talked about from COVID-19. And to me with the Red Sox, it just feels like they've given up. they gave up on the year. And I wonder if we're going to see Alex Cora in that dugout in 2021. Because I feel like they just viewed this as a lost year. And I'm watching that from a Yankee Red Sox perspective. And that series bothered me because I felt I kind of felt bad for the Red Sox. And I shouldn't because the Red Sox have won a couple times over the last decade. But you wonder, do you take what they've done, where sometimes they finish last and other times they win championships, and you want a team... That's consistent, but never wins a championship. It's a good debate to have. But I want to look also at the Indians, who are 15-9, half game back in the in the Central. They've won five in a row. Shane Bieber's probably the AL Cy Young candidate right, favorite right now. But the one thing you look at is what happened with the Indians. Now, Zach Plezak uh, violated the COVID-19 procedures. He went out and had dinner with a friend. Mike Clevenger went out as well. Two really good young pitching uh, pitchers for the Indians. They got caught by LB security. They basically were told to go home. Mike Clevenger, after Act got caught, lied and stuck up for Act. Didn't tell anybody that Clevenger, that he went out too. He got kicked out. They both go to Detroit to try to apologize to the players. Now, first off, if you're Zach Act, don't go on, in, on social media and try to blame the media for how you're being portrayed. And then you're also doing it while driving, while not wearing a seatbelt. Get a clue. Like, come on. If you want to feel apologetic, stop blaming the media for your actions. That's a joke. So they go there. The players are not happy with them. And the Jeff Passan report on ESPN, Oliver Perez threatened to opt out. And I love the fact that players said, you know what? If those two pitchers are not punished and they're not sent down to that alternate site, we're not playing. Because that's showing that the players are taking the protocol seriously. Respecting the virus. That's what you want. And hopefully those two pitchers learn a lesson. The Indians aren't trading them. I've seen those trade rumors out there. To be honest, the trade deadline, there's not going to be a lot of moving pieces, I think, because a lot of teams think they're in it. And 
why am, if I'm a contender, am I going to trade something out of my 60-man player pool for a player for one month? I'm not going to do it in most cases. Now, you could try to get players with multiple years of control, but again, you have a limited prospect pool of which to trade from. That's what makes these deals unlikely. But the Indians maybe think about trading Clemens over the winter, but you're not trading them now, especially the Indians. They get into the playoffs. They they get to a best of three with their pitching staff. They've got a shot. They've got a shot. Their pitching is very, very good. Aaron Savali's out there throwing complete games. They've got Carlos Carrasco. This is a good team. The White Sox are fun to watch. They went back to back to back to back with home runs. They've got a good young core. Look at the Astros. Dusty Baker's done a good job. They've won seven straight, and they've got so many injuries. Jordan Alvarez, Dusty Baker said on Wednesday, likely after the year. He just came back. Alex Bregman left the game early Wednesday in Colorado. George Springer's battled injuries. They're without Osuna, without Verlander. Yeah, they've won seven straight. Yes, the AL West is bad, besides Oakland, which I would think the A's right now, I love what the A's are doing. But the Astros are right up there. And I'm looking at this weekend. And then the Cubs have been great. I don't know if the NL East... I'll give you two more things on baseball before we wrap up. I don't think the NL East winner is finishing over 500. At least right now. Right now, your leader for the AL, the NL East is the Braves at 14 and 11. And without Ronald Acuna Jr., their rotation's a mess. Yes, they have a great bullpen. But think about this if you're the Braves. You have a team that relies mainly on offense to do things. And they don't have an ace on their staff. That's going to that's gonna hurt them. The Marlins, of course, how long can they stay in contention with all the doubleheaders they're playing? The Phillies are 9-10. They've got an awful bullpen and rely mainly on Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler in that rotation. The Mets are 12-14. and 14, Good offense, but they rely on Jacob deGrom too much. And Steven Matz has been so bad, they basically kicked him out of the rotation right now. So the Mets have a lot to prove outside of beating the Marlins. The Nationals are 9-12. They don't have Steven Strasburg. They don't have Starlin Castro. Yes, they've got Scherzer and Corbin. They're they're in last, but three games behind. So the NL East is going to be so topsy-turvy. I don't know if anybody's going to finish over 500. The other thing, watching this Rays-Yankees series this week, the Rays have beaten the Yankees five out of six times going into Thursday. And I would look at the Rays. I, I, I mentioned this a lot in our previews back in March, and I've said it lately. The Rays have, I think, a really good chance to go to the World Series because they are weird. And they're weird in a good way. Yes, they've got Snell and Glasnow and Morton. He's healthy in that rotation, which he's not right now. They don't have any household names in that lineup. They don't have a number one closer. But they have a bullpen where everybody has a unique skill set and a different signature pitch. And that just bothers people. Because if you're a hitter, you have to prepare for like five, six different styles. They're weird. They're quirky. Kevin Cash takes advantage of every matchup. You've clearly seen this team as a different team when Austin Meadows is in the lineup. Brandon Lau is an emerging middle infielder that does great things for Tampa Bay. Yandy Diaz is fun to watch. They get contributions out of G-Man Choi. Like, the Rays... Remember, last year, if it wasn't for Garrett Cole, they probably beat the Astros in the ALDS. They're a great team that nobody talks about because they don't have any household names. But they should have household names. They have dominated the Yankees so far. And you could look at the Yankees still as the favorite in the American League. I won't, I won't argue with you there, though. LeMayhew's out for a couple weeks. Aaron Judge is out at least until this weekend. And John Carl Stanton's out. 
But the Yankees still have a good offense without those guys. It's just great when they have those other three players I just mentioned. But the one thing the Rays do is they frustrate the heck out of the Yankees. And Kevin Cash has outmanaged circles around Aaron Boone. So if you're a Yankee fan and you're upset with Aaron Boone, I get it. Kevin Cash has proven to be a really good manager. He knows how to get the most out of that talent. And he knows how to get... But they, they can get any pitcher, find their top pitch with their analytics, and they make it work. Don't go off ERA with these guys. They're using Chaz Rowe at closer. Jalen Beek saved the game on Wednesday. Rays are good. I know the Rays could bot. They're going to be pesky to a lot of teams, but they're good. So baseball, of course, rounding in September pretty soon, so that should get exciting. As I mentioned, PGA Tour playoffs for this weekend. That should be great. Tennis is starting up next week with the tournament in Cincinnati, which is now in New York with the bubble in New York and the U.S. Open the following week. Simona Halp is out of the U.S. Open for the women, so that's a big loss there. Novak Djokovic is in, which I thought, as I mentioned in the last show, that's huge for the men's game engine with Nadal out, but Novak being in is a big support. Uh, for at least now with no Federer at all, you would think Djokovic is the favorite. Uh, but I want to get at least more insight into the procedures, as I mentioned a week ago, uh, two weeks ago on that concept. But I'm looking forward to that. NBA and NHL have been great. Football's around the corner. So much going on in sports. It's a lot to keep up with, and we're thankful you choose us to get full press coverage for all your sports needs. Again, I want to remind you, you can follow me on Twitter at Rickinator555. It's at R-A-C-K, letter I, Nader, like Terminator, three fives. Follow us on Twitter at FP underscore coverage, at Full Press Radio. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Please give a rating. I hope it's five stars. Tell me what you like. Tell me what you don't like. As we get closer to 40 episodes, we're also getting really close to 50,000 downloads since the show started back in October. So I'm really thankful for that. Thank you for everybody who supported the show. Uh, again, you can email me as well, rickjkeeler at gmail.com. Be sure to, to download the Full Press Coverage app on your iOS or Android device. You get all of our articles there, all of our podcasts. Anywhere, anytime you can take Full Press Coverage on the go, just download the app today. Be sure to check out our lineup every weekday of, of, for live radio in addition to the podcast we have. And we unveiled our live radio lineup uh, the middle portion of the show. So we'll be back next week. Hopefully we'll be back next week. Try to get a guest on. Uh, talk about what's going on in sports uh, with college football. Of course, more news will come out on that. We're two week, we'll be two weeks away from the NFL, NBA and NHL playoffs in full swing, baseball getting close to September. A lot going on. At least we have sports to talk about. So from all of us here at Full Press Coverage, I'm Ricky Keeler saying have a great weekend. Stay safe. Please wear a mask. And I'll see you back here next time. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.